Let us pray. Father, we thank you because you revealed your nature to us. Because your holiness reveals your justice. In your holiness, we see your love. We thank you because of the privilege to come before your table to serve you. Thank you because of the grace of adoption. Your word says, You have sent your spirit in our heart, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit does bear witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. For the privilege of sonship, we give you all the praise. Thank you because your word is an embodiment of the truth that is contained in you, which delights to make known to us. Thank you because by your nature, it is never your will to leave us in darkness. We give you all the praise because you are our privilege. You are our heritage. You are our life. You are our love. You are our light. We thank you for over every facet of our lives. Thank you because of our family, of our relationship, of our children, of the church of God all over the world and over this house. We give you the praise. Lord, we come expecting this morning that your word will comfort with power. It will bring healing. It will bring clarity, it will bring understanding, and it will bring freedom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we give a praise. All right. I'm going to speak on the subject I've been considering over time. In the last study, we could not actually keep a record of the teaching because we lost it because of certain technical matters but I, I believe the Lord will help us this morning to be able to have the recording of this teaching so that in the days to come others could feed on it yeah so I will speak on the title the remnant of grace remnant of grace actually i would have spoken on the election of grace but um it's like we have spoken on the title and i wouldn't want to speak on that title so that we have too many familiar titles like that in our archive so that in the days to come we won't start know missing them up but then whether election by grace or remnant of grace i'm still focusing on the same truth from the word of god and consequently i'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures and i want to say that the focus actually is the fact that you have an assignment 
and then you have got to find out what the assignment is you have an assignment there's something you are meant to do you must find it out number two i want to say it is by this grace you are saved well that's not a new doctrine if you have been around the things of god or in the body of christ for some time but i want to examine this grace that the same grace that brought you to salvation is the same grace you have received for service in the particular area the lord will have you served it's the same grace you have received for finances because you know the word of god told us that this grace also gives us wisdom and understanding he says wherein you are abundant toward us in all wisdom and understanding that is Ephesians chapter one so the grace does not just only deal with our same problems but you know left every other area of our lives untouched no it affects every facet and as a matter of fact salvation as god arranged it is meant to affect the total man or the totality of man which includes his spirit his body so every facet of his being so we are going to be looking at how the grace of god singles out it singles you out for the particular assignment god we have you do it singles you out in your career it singles you out in parenting it singles you out in, re- in your relationship and much more like i've shown you in titus chapter 2 11 and 12 the scripture says the grace of god that brings our freedom you no know, that brings you know our freedom from pains from the, from the penalty of our sins that 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 actually broke the prison great gate for us uh, you know has appeared to all humanity to all man so it is god's provision for every man and i've emphasized that the reason why everybody cannot be equal in life is not because god has not destined us to be equal all uh, but that we have not actually appropriated the grace at the same level so in this kingdom there is um, provision for degrees there's provisions of dimensions there's provisions of levels you know we we scale different heights because of our different commitments because of our different understanding and because of our different sense of values so as you work with god what you are able to do per time or what you end up with will be in proportion of your level of commitment or see your level of understanding so if you do not have certain understanding of certain things then it's meant that you may not go beyond certain borders so what i'm to share on the remnant of grace is what i still intend to share um on the the topic remnant of grace you know and you know the whole summary the summary of everything is just to say that the grace singles out and then one of the things i've said in the earlier teaching is the fact that well i'm going to mention it here as we progress also that you should not um generalize situations you are special in your making your experiences are special and not that they are just special they are peculiar to you you know god ensures that he tells us our experiences everything that that will include painful uh, memories pleasant memories opportunities everything at a time to actually fit into what he wants to do with our lives for instance look at the case of david he was he was he was in the wilderness with the with, with, with the animals of, of, of his father jesse 
and while he was back there following the Jews and the lambs and you know his father's animal in short he received the major experience that would give him the courage he would need to be able to come to limelight as God destined it would be in fact his experience of leading just as it were with Moses also when he led Jethro's animal for 40 years God was giving Joseph and respectively um, I want to mention David and I want to mention Moses those experiences by bringing them through the shadow of the co- I mean the corridor or the shadow of their destiny so no experience is a loss no time you spend with the father is a loss it is an investment for that which you want to do in your life so like I said I'm going to read so many scriptures but first one of the reasons why I'm doing this teaching is to let you understand the system of God and invariably that will help to aid your knowledge of the father since our quakes as individuals as as members of, of the body of Christ and in fact as the father himself will want it is that we know him so in knowing the father we have got to understand the system so let me read first Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 chapter Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 rather. But without faith pistus it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, it says, without faith, it is not possible to please God. The question is, what is meant by faith there? The Greek word is the word pixtus. It means conviction. And, you know, so that we can understand it, God allows the writer of the scriptures to, to bring it in a term we can identify with. He said, faith is coming to the father for he that comes to the father must first settle it in the spirit almost come to have seen the fact that he is a way of saying that he exists that is a living god but what the lord put in my spirit and why i really want us to see the scripture is that you must not just believe that he is God. You have got to also know who he is. So you can read without faith. It is impossible to please God. For he who comes to the Father must also try to understand who he is. And must settle it for himself that every time he spends with the Father, it's not wasted because he is a rewarder of those who consistently, actually, my version says, those who diligently, those who dutifully, Seek, seek him in other words those who sit as a point of duty as um how do i put it as you know a matter of life and death in seeking him so our work with god is not for nothing meanwhile we do not seek him because of the things we stand to gain however there is no how we seek him really and there won't be anything to gain that's the paradox so your work there is something for you but then you have got to pay attention to the word of the scriptures. You must do it 
conscientiously, consciously, dutifully, consistently, and with all commitment. I believe that is clear. Now, let's go to the second scripture. And in the second scripture, I think um, that should be in John chapter 3. I pray it won't take us long to see it because I didn't prepare for those scriptures, but it just jumped into my spirit as I was coming up. And I feel that should found that should found what the Lord wants to communicate. She will stand in as the background. In John chapter 3, the report came to John the Baptist, how that Jesus and of course his disciples were baptizing in the at the other side of Jordan. And you know, when that report came to him, perhaps, you know, those who came to do that report would have had some intentions. Maybe to get John the Baptist angry at Jesus or, I don't know, for whatever reasons. But John now brought to light a reality. And, you know, this reality is very fundamental in our work with God, in our understanding of the Father. That everything we have at a particular time, like I said earlier, including our experiences. Well, that does not mean that certain things that happens to you are not directly from your own ignorance or stupidity or carelessness. But majorly when it comes to God's dealing with you, most of the things you receive per time are released to you because it delights the Father to give to you. Meanwhile, this does not nullify Jesus' teaching, telling us the fact that, or making us realize the fact that the Father loves us and that it will know we told every good thing from us. Of course, Apostle James also brought that to light when he says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So, whenever you are desirous of anything good that is far beyond your reach, that you don't even have the resources or the connection for, there is a way you can get it, you can get it from the Father. But let's see the scripture so that we can actually see uh, what the Lord wants to show us. Glory be to God. John chapter 3. Hallelujah. Is it chapter 3 or 2? Okay. Alright, let's just see just chapter three. I don't actually I'm not actually sure, but I hope we will find it. Glory to God. Okay. Okay, I can't find it. Let's leave it. But the scripture says it's it, it's in the in the, in 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 the in the writing of Jonah, anyways. Since no one can can receive anything except it is given. And that statement came when the report came to John that Jesus was baptizing. So he told them, he said, look, he, he, he was doing that because he had received it from the Father. He had received it from the Father. Consequently, no one receives anything except it is given to him from above. So everything we have at a particular time is a gift from the Father. Okay, I found it. John chapter 3 still. We are still in that scripture. Verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. A man can receive nothing is the truth. 
and as well a principle for us to learn. Now let's look at the third open scriptures. Then we can begin to run. Okay. John chapter 1, verse 10 to 16. I may pause intermittently to see a few things if the Lord allows. And if otherwise, we just read and we, we move on quickly. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He that made the world was in the world, was involved in the world. But the world did not know him. There are times God is involved in your life, but you may not see it. Jesus on Emmaus was with his disciples. In fact, they longed that he had not been killed. In fact, they spoke so passionately about him. And this Jesus they spoke about came to join them in a discussion, but they were blind. So the grace of God can be available to do certain things in your life or to accomplish certain feats, and you are not able to tap into it because you do not recognize it because you are not aware of it. So it is right to say that your level of awareness of God's involvement in certain things in your life goes a long way to determine how far you will go. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God. Mark the word, he gave the right. KJV says he gave the power to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name. Now mark the word. He came to the world. And he came to his own. But the only people who can actually. Um, connect and benefit from what he carries. Are those who received him. So whatever God wants to offer at a time. Cannot be asked. However badly God wants to communicate them. Or dispense them to us. Except we are ready to receive. And there are different things to do. To position ourselves receiving one of them is faith one of them is awareness one of them is attitude one of them is desire one of them is consistency one of them is faithfulness to them that believe you give the right to become the children of god those who are born not of blood not of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god now yeah you know apostle john was speaking about spiritual transition of a man from the realm of darkness to the realm of 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 light he says, look, transition or transformation begins when a man begins to acknowledge the provisions. And that's why when we come to preach the gospel, the first thing we communicate are the things that are provided. And each time when Christ preaches about the kingdom, what he mentions are two things. Basically, the love of the Father, the fatherhood of God respectively. Then he talks about the provisions in the kingdom. So there are stuffs for us to feed on. So God is not ready or is not trying to waste anybody's time in, in empty or in vain or, 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 or loyalty for nothing. God is not seeking followers. He's not seeking fast. He's not just seeking loyalty. He has something in store. I knows that without him, all we will amount to is a shadow of ourselves. Verse 14, and the world became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That's amazing. And we beheld his glory. Now, this writer talks about himself and his colleagues. Not everybody beheld it. And that was why, you know, the Roman soldiers, and of course, 
I want to say the Roman government and in cooperation with the with the council of of, of the elders of the Jews, we we, we come in 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 in, um, in agreement to crucify him out of envy and ignorance. But John said we recognize his glory, all that he is. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Is the exact glory the Father has. He is the manifestation of the Father in the flesh. He is the brightness of the glory of God. He is the expression of God. Because of the Father full of grace and truth, Christ came to give grace and to give the truth. And one thing that made me re reference the scripture is that just statement. Christ is full of grace and truth. So he is enough. I wonder why certain believers and pathetically for ministers because recently ministers have been discovered to be fetish and despite that they still come holding the name of the Lord, you know, in their mouth but with a, with, with a damned, with, with a wretched conscience. I can't imagine why the man of God, you know, will not be all all lined up to, to the Father. All graces is available in Christ. And it came through Christ. So if you will come to Jesus, there's, some, there's nothing you need you won't have. Let me run. Grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus. Let's go to verse 16. And of his fullness... He is full of the glory and since God is love and kindness, that glory emits love and kindness. So of the fullness of who he is, that is, he is the embodiment of the Father. He is the Father manifested in the bodily form to put certain things in place and to pay certain um, requirements as needed for us to share of what he carries and the scripture says of his fullness have we all received grace for grace so the reason why i receive grace is to live the life of grace so god is not good to me to be selfish to others or to oppress others he is good to me so that i can be good to others blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy i have received the mercy of god so that i can be merciful for the Lord came through Moses, but grace and truth. Look at that repetition. And each time the scripture repeats a, a concept or an ideology or a principle is the cause of certain emphasis which borders on the importance of that truth. Grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus. Not just that verse 18. No one has seen the Father at any time. The only begotten Son who is at the bosom of the Father has declared him. The word declared means he revealed him. So Jesus is not just a martyred Savior. All he came to do is not just to perform few miracles to show his compassion and his large heart to people of his days and to demonstrate what should be obtainable from his fellow believers, uh, you know, I mean, his, his, his believers, those who believe on him, but that in, in dying for us, he wants to unveil, he wants to unravel who the Father is. How he operates. And now we can join with him. So the excess of creation is the knowing of the Father. 
and the knowing of the father is the unveiling of yourself and your destiny that is the essence but then like i said the subject we are considering is on the remnant of grace a way of saying that grace preserves grace singles out and the word remnant means preservation of few amongst many it means the remaining part of a large portion of something or a part of a whole preserved for certain reason it's just like saying you went to the market to bought certain ingredients and then you use them for whatever you want to use them for maybe for baking or for cooking or for whatever you bought them for then you you preserve the little maybe a sample so that you can obtain such kind of whatever i mean whatever ingredients you, you've got at that particular time so a remnant is a preservation of 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 a few out of a whole it means sample that's in fact that's a, is a good word hallelujah so the first thing i want to do is that i want to understand the theological environment that is the theological context of the title and the text The title came from Apostle Paul explaining the works of grace in engrafting the Gentiles into the program of God and how that God intends to, to bring the Jews into jealousy or to awaken them into consciousness of what he intends to do with them initially by excluding calling their father for the, for the, for, 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 for the program he has for the world okay in in god's to restoring the world to himself he sampled the jews but that does not mean that the jews are the only uh, you know uh, the, the the only one god had planned for the plan was for the whole earth but it started with them so that remnant means that the grace of god preserves in other words god knew that this deal he was doing in christ in bringing man to himself is universal in nature but then a few will embrace it and those who that will embrace it will become sample of what he has intention so you are a model you are a sample another word that the scripture will use is the word first fruit and when you look at the context really let's go to where that word is used that is romans chapter 9 romans chapter 10 and chapter 11 respectively I hope if, that, if, if, if the Lord permits us or if time allows, I will do certain um, synoptic um, exposition of those three chapters of Apostle Paul's theology. And I'm going to read basically Romans chapter 9 so that we can set and write the theological environment of the text. To say primarily that God has a plan for you and you must not miss it for any reason. Romans chapter 9, that's our main test. All of those I shared the other time is just to lay the foundation. Glory to God forevermore. Romans chapter 9, from verse 8 through to 15. The taste those who are born of the flesh these are not the children of god mark that god is a spirit 
and every manifestation of his work in the flesh are what he planned in the spirit. And they take those who are in the spirit and who has been awakened by their spirit, awakened in their spirit rather, to actually connect to what he is doing. So God's move is not about the activities or the jamboree around it. Yet we cannot divorce any of his move now or in the time to come from activities. But behind them is the spiritual reality that power them. And when we take off that which powers them, all of those activities will be meaningless because it will not bring out its very essence. So those who are of the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as a seed, verse 9. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac, that the children not yet been born, not having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Watch that. First is the promise. Second is the purpose. And third is the election. First, there is a promise. And that promise is from a, a picture, an imagination. What God would have accomplished. And it's not just doing it because he wants to. He has an intention, a purpose. And for this purpose to come to pass, he has to select certain things. It's just like when you want to cook. Let's say jollof rice, for instance. There are many ingredients that is needed in cooking. But when you are selecting the ingredients you need for that jollof rice, you select that which will make the food you are coming to be the best of it. That will make your eater to eat and salivate. Mouth-watering delicacy. Okay? So, God had a program. He had an intention. He had a plan. And when he called Abraham, even from the very beginning, when he called Abraham, he called Abraham because he was trying to spell out, to give expression to his intention. That was the same intention that led to the formation of Adam in the first place. So, there was a promise to Abraham that, okay, what I intend to do, I will do, I will do through you. And God is not saying that I'm going to do it um, in order to make you happy. I'm doing it because of my own intention. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about the fact that he works all things according to the purpose of his own will, according to his counsel of his will. Meanwhile, the Apostle Paul mentions that God is also very delighted to make us understand what he's doing. So we are not guessing. Hallelujah. So there is the program, the project, the intention of the Father. There's the promise he gave to anybody who will fit into that program. Meanwhile, there is the purpose and he is also all out to select, to pick people. These are the remnants. First, no, never you forget, well, I will explain that as we move by. I just want to lay the foundation. 
Election talks about God picking out people he wants to use. And he does that by grace. Not because he, he looks at people and he picks, you know, out of sentiment or out of resentment or out of favoritism, you know, all of those. God is not tribal. He's the God of the whole world. So he does not like any tribe above the other. He loves us equal. He's our father all. Well, if you are in Christ and he's the God of the whole earth and he's the king. You have got to understand this about your father. So the scripture says, verse 11, For the children not yet born, not having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Mark that. That is very important. These are brethren. They were still in their mother's womb. They had never done anything good or bad. So, you know, and God said, look, I'm going to use the younger. And when the two of them were battered, God's focus primarily in bringing out his intention through that man. That does not mean that God hated the other. Okay? Now, the idea is that when it comes to the matter of purpose or certain attainment or certain thing you received, okay, in life or in your journey in life, it's not because of him that will it or of him that run it or of your of your strife although there is a place of your aspiration of your of, of perspiring to be or all that god would have you be or all that you have desired to become in but then you have got to understand that in the program of god it's not your labor it's not your quest it's not your strife it's not you know your strife for position of cause or for power of or influence that matters but that which god wants to do particularly so do not seek position. Seek what is on the mind of the Father. This is the beginning of relevance. The children had not done anything. And you know, people had read this place to mean or to say that, well, God knows who will be saved eventually. You know, who will make it to heaven. God had, you know, it seems he had written the name of those who, who will come to salvation. And there are people who are damned. You know, at a particular meeting some years ago, or last year or so, a person says that, there are some scapegoats God had marked out from eternity as scapegoat. He had destined them to be to be a rune. And I said Pharaoh was one of them. But I know that theological, that theology perception was wrong. In fact, as a, as a matter of fact, when you look at the scripture in the light of, 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 of God's predestination and God's uh, election and, 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 and the fact of grace, you see that God never destined anyone to be a rune. You may argue it. And scriptures may present cases of people God tried in every way to turn to himself and yet eventually destroyed them like Pharaoh, for instance. Or like Judas who walked with Jesus for three and a half years and eventually committed suicide. There are people who have just decided, who are obstinate. And Apostle Paul explained this pretty well in Romans chapter 1. He said, although they knew God. So there is no human being that does not have a sense of God or a conscience. Even if you do not have a sense of God, you came from a very, a very barbaric, a very evil or wicked setting. God gave you conscience to actually bring you into order. But Paul said, before God will give them up to reprobate at even themselves, they have not recognized him. So when God is judging a particular group of people or, you know, he's doing certain things in, 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 in the life of certain people, he's not doing it because he hated them or because he's an angry God. There is a justice system he has set forth and it is very necessary for the king of the earth to have his justice system. 
so in our dealings with the father we have got to understand what the father is doing his choices his preferences his preference or his yes his preference of course he has preference of course god has his first choice he has his second choice and he has his alternative choices just as we do of course we, we take after him so certain truths that are common to you as man especially new believers is common to your father that the purpose of god according to election might stand we are still on verse 11 not of works mark that please but of him who calls because if you do not understand this one day you are going to be bitter because we see people maybe who just came after many years of your labor you know in the kingdom and you know they seems to take over you and they seems to be more influential before long they they seems to to be your leader later on and you begin to wonder when did they come and that begin to make you behave one kind look at the parable of jesus about that employer that employs certain guys in the money with an agreement to pay them certain amounts then later in the day in the midday of course he went out to saw some people i do he hired them and very close maybe a few hours or few minutes to the time the day's work we close. You went out and saw other people idle too. They wanted to work, but all the while they've wasted their time because nobody employed them. So he employed them. So when he when the time of remuneration came, it was a shock to those whom he employed in the morning that he paid same to every one of them, including those he employed a few hours to the close of the day. And this shows what God does. By his own counsel, a way of saying that you cannot influence God's decision on certain grounds. David tried it by fasting seven days and seven nights. So that that child, Uriah's wife, that is Bathsheba, gave birth to, will not die because God is judging. But despite that, nothing changes it. Prayer and fasting does not affect the counsel of God. Okay? So the best you can do is to understand what he wants to do and align. Yeah, align. Not of works, but of him that calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. Why? Not of works, but of him that call it. Why? That the purpose of God according to election might stand. So it is what God is doing. So when it seems that certain guys receive certain things you were longing for and you've not long, I mean, you've not received yours. Maybe you wanted to marry, you know, and people who were younger, those who were calling you auntie, sister, you were older than, got married ahead of you. And there seems to be unnecessary pressure or tension or you become so displeased or envious. And you begin or begin to agitate. That will destroy you. You have got to understand what God is doing per time. The certain people we are ahead of you or behind you does not mean that you know God hates them or does not mean that you know there is no plan for their life or does not mean that God loves them better than you do. So understand God's counsel. So what is particular, I mean, what is very important is that you have got to be concerned about what God is doing in your own life, not in other people's life. I like the way Mike's Moro put it. He said fulfillment. Or success is not comparing what God is doing in your life or what is happening in your life or what you have attained to what others have attained. It is comparing what you have attained to what is 
mapped out for you to attain. So you are not competing with anybody in destiny. You are competing with what is placed ahead of you. Paul said, I have forgotten the things of the past so that I can apprehend not what other apostles are doing, but I can actually come to actualize, come to, to, to materialize, come to accomplish, come to fulfill that which is placed before me. So life is concerned. I mean, the, I don't know how to put it. The Holy Spirit help me here. You, you know, in life, what matters is not what others are doing, but what had been placed before you. So you will do well to find out what is God's target for your life. Verse 13, as, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau have hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, of, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for these very purpose have raised you up that I may show my power in you. That was the destiny of Pharaoh to experience the power of God. Not that the power should destroy him, but that power he was called or was created to experience, okay, that his seat of power will be a display of God's glory. That same power destroyed him because of his pride. My nature be declared in all the heads. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills and on whom he will add Never you forget that what Apostle Paul is describing here is very specific. He is talking about salvation, about what the Father is doing, of what he wants to accomplish. And the truth is that he selects those who will be in the program to he will do it according to how he wants it done. And three, according to what he wants to accomplish. So what governs most of the things we see that seems not to be equal to us or balanced to us or that seems to be, to be different or to have a multiple, to be multiple-sided is the purpose of God. So what God is doing is a single thing but the assignment that which he look he had allocated to each and every member of the body is different and he will not judge you by the whole scope he will judge you by what he placed in your hands and when verse 13 says quoting from genesis of course that jacob i loved Esau i hated god is talking about love and likes he's just talking about his choices what he chose to do. A way of saying, I have chosen this guy to be part of the program. I want to use this guy. Just like you want to buy an ingredient. And say, okay, this is what I want to do. Or you want to build a house. Or you want to start a company. And say, okay, I want to work with these certain guys. There are other people who are doing the same thing you wanted to do. But you chose certain organization to work with. You choose to deal with certain organization. So in God's eternal purpose, we look at whom God had chosen to work with. To accomplish certain things. God can say, okay, when it comes to the matter of deliverance, I want to work with this sector of people or this particular people. And that's what we call calling or an assignment. You know, some people say that uh, my calling is... Actually, when they say my calling is, they're not talking about the ministerial gift of pastor, of teaching and all of those. Although there are people according to that office. 
But sometimes when people say that my calling is, is talking about the assignment he has. He may not be a pastor. He may just be giving the grace to counsel. Or he may just be giving boarding towards certain end. It could be prayer boarding. It could be financial boarding or whatever boarding. The Lord deems fit. So in God's dealing with you, understand this purpose. Now let's read a few scriptures more from chapter 11. Hallelujah. I say then, as God casts away his people, as God casts away his people, certainly not. For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and turned down your orders, and I alone am left and I seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have preserved for myself 10,000 men who have not bowed down the kneel to bar. Now, mark the word I preserved for myself. That's what it means to have a remnant. Preservation of a few for certain reasons. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But it is of works. It's no, but if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect has obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Now, check it. The emphasis here, which I want to just oppose with what we saw in chapter 9, verse 11. For the children not yet being born, not having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election may stand. The purpose of God according to election. And in chapter 11, we saw that there is a remnant according to election of grace. The purpose of God according to election. The purpose of God, what God intends to do according to election, according to what he had, he had, he had chosen to do or he has decided to whom to do it. And what he has chosen to do, those whom he has selected and that which is selected by grace. So, two things the scripture is telling us here. When God wants to walk, he walk by choosing those whom he wants to work with. Like saying you want to do a project, you select or you map out or you write out what you need. Or that you want to go to the market, you write out a list of what you want to buy. You don't go there to pick what you do not have. And then chapter 11 makes us to understand the means by which God selects. He selects by grace. When you want to select, you select by looking at what will do well for your business or what will project your brand, okay? That's what you consider. Or that you are looking at the ingredient that will make, you know, what you want to cook a mouth-watering delicacy, right? Or mouth-watering delicacy. In the case of God, what God does is that He does things by His purpose. And by that purpose, what He wants to do that determines whom He enlists or whom He shortlists or whom He qualifies. Now, then he qualifies based on grace, no sentiment. So it is not picking people because of their labor, but for what he wants to do. 
I hope that is clear. So aspire. But whatever the father has not given you, okay? Don't try to get it by all means. It will destroy you. Judas tried it. It ruined his life. So, based on this fact, we shall now begin to set something straight. And I think I've been able to express the idea of the caption, the remnant of grace. Two things here. There's the grace of God that brings you into soteria, to salvation, that brings you to know God. And there is another grace that comes upon you for selection for ministry, for specific assignment to specific groups in the world. Okay, let me show you two scriptures more in a single chapter. Ephesians chapter 3, Apostle Paul made us understand that our service, our work for God, now work for God, not work with God. Our work with God is by grace because grace saves us, bringing us into fellowship. Now, also, our work for God is by grace. And that grace singles us out. And also, there's a grace that places us in strategic places in the world. For God's sake. Now, let's just see that scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read verse 2, and we're going to jump to verse, to verse 6, and we read to 7. And what I want to show you is that what God chose to do with you, and what he had given to you, is not because to qualify for it, it's not because of your, you know, your inherent abilities. Or your gifts or your expertise or your skill this could help to help you better express that which god wants to do and give you waves okay or give you leverage or an advantage over those who don't have all of those qualifications but you know it is not those things that qualify you you know there is this scripture first corinthians the bible said not it was paul was writing i think first corinthians said not too many wise were are called and a, popul- a popular thing from this statement is the fact that God does not call the qualified. He calls the unqualified and qualifies them. That's the idea of the grace of election or the remnant. Number two is that that word remnant by grace means that God had preserved or by, by his grace, he had preserved certain people for himself, for a particular purpose. Okay, now let's see. First, the grace that has been stored for us or bestowed on us for service. Ephesians 3 verse 2. If indeed you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, the giving of the grace of God, of the abilities of God, which was given to me for you, out of by revelation, it made known to me by made known to me the mystery as I've written already. Now you see that Paul here talks about the dispensation of the grace to serve for the people said the grace is given. To me, not for me, but for you. So service or ministry or certain assignment is a dimension of grace. Now, he's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about an enablement provided by the Spirit, the supply of grace by the Spirit to do certain things within the body of Christ or to the world. 
Now, let's go to verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs is setting aright the purpose of God in dealing with the Gentiles of the same body and particular of his promise in Christ through the, through the gospel of which I have become a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power. So service is by grace. And I pity you if you are still running after position. In other words, in other words, there are men chosen for specific assignment as God chose it to be. So find your place in the scheme of God and be well positioned. That's what concerns you. So God's election speaks of those he chose to do certain things with, those he chose to do certain tasks with, in other words, some particular moves or works as engendered by God are peculiarly reserved to certain people. So, election speaks of God's preservation or God's preservative offer. So, election is the preservative works of grace or the preservative offer of grace. Not just the saving grace alone. But the grace to work for him. So the grace does not, does not just only save those who believe. It also empowers to work for God. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. But he said, I do not lay aside his grace. So election speaks of the works of grace. It speaks of God's predetermined counsel. It speaks of our intent to recruit certain seeds of the fallen human race into his programs. And for them to qualify for that which he wants to use them for, first he had to offer them salvation. So salvation is the preliminary requirement for all to come on board. Then when we come on board, God can begin to dish out or expose us or launch us out, launch us, uh, launch us, okay, as missiles to different locations or to different continents. However, this does not mean that it is God's right or it is God who decide who is to be saved or who is to be helped at a particular time. Yes, He does come for your help at a particular time. But when it comes to eternal salvation, it is free to all. But when it comes to usability, sometimes it's not by your labor. It's what God chooses to do through you. For instance, Paul would have loved to labor for the Jews. But it was not allowed. He was giving this to the Gentiles. Now, when you read that Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, from verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desires and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved, for I bear witness that they have the zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So he was he was so desirous that these people received God's grace, but they could not receive it because of their unbelief. But even Paul himself was not even assigned to minister to them. He loved to serve. In fact, when he was trying to help, he was arrested and he lost his head because he was trying to labor where he was not sent. Meanwhile, that is a good one. 
or that was a good one. So this grace of election does not mean that God is the one who decides who is to be saved. The scripture already told us that God intends or he wants or he desires all men to be saved and come to know the truth. And it's the truth. The grace that brings salvation appears to all men. But when it comes to working with God or working for God, it is exclusively preserved to those who meet the requirement by grace. So the grace of God appeared to all humanity. So God knew the works of the grace. And he knows that when the grace comes, it will qualify even those who are not qualified. And in God's dealing with mankind, God knows that not all man will come to, to accept this grace. But then, he spoke of a remnant that will receive this grace. And what he calls to remnant here, at the close of the age, according to Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 to 17, they will become multitude that no one could number. Hallelujah. So in other words, God is particular in all his programs, in all his projects, in his work, in any generation at a particular time. Surely I've prepared certain individuals to fit into what he wants to do. He has prepared them to fit into what he wants to accomplish. He wants to use them as vessels all by his grace and as he has programmed it will be all by his grace according to his purpose so god may ordain a person for an assignment before birth and that person still ignorantly may miss out from what he has been assigned to do or what has been assigned him and of course, this can be caused by many things. So in your fulfillment in life, there is your own role and there is the role of divinity. And God will not fail in his role because he has not failed at any time. So those whom God chose or had appointed to certain peculiar or particular assignment are so ordained not for their own works or speciality, or uniqueness, or expertise, or discipline, or commitment, or skill, or position, but because God chose to work with them. Although certain things might have been, maybe because of their commitment, maybe because of their devotion over time, or, or maybe because of certain things, or maybe because of the work of their fathers with them. Like what God was doing with Isaac and Jacob and, you know, the succeeding generations was because of Abraham. So God can choose to work with a particular person because of the work of his forefather. However, when God calls a man, he intends to use him to rot a damage on the kingdom of the devil. And if you are going to be fit for God's use, you must understand that God has his standards. He has his requirements. 
and he will not lower it because he does not lower it. And for whatever he wants you to do, he wires you for, for it or for that assignment. If God wants to use you, he will prepare you for whatever he wants to use you for. Meanwhile, he will not do for you that which he wants to do through you. You must settle all this. So you must be rightfully positioned. You must be rightfully aligned. You must be ready. You must be aware. And that's why in, in our work for God or in, in our usability in the hands of God, you have got to understand four key principles. One is awareness. You have got to be aware. Number two is cooperation. I'm, I'm going to emphasize this cooperation. And what cooperation leads to is number three, alignment. And when cooperation falls in line with alignment, it helps to begin to align. Because when you begin to cooperate, what you are doing is that you are aligning. You are finding your way into that, that which God wants to do. As time goes by, it, 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 it makes you one with the Father. So there is grace of election. There is the grace of election. And here we are talking about God doing certain things with certain people exclusively for certain reasons which he proposed in himself. But this does not include what you are ambitious to do by your own self. This does not include this plan for salvation. This does not include this plan for your health, for your, you know, for your healing, for your well-being. There are some expressed will of God. God wants us to live in health. So when sickness comes or you have losses in your business, it does not mean that God has destined to, to, to lose certain things. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying the fact that when God is working sometimes, he has a plan or he has plans and you will do well to find what that plan is so the point is that god can create an individual especially for an assignment at a particular time and that act is called the purpose of his calling and when god calls a man like that this does not mean that such individual is a superhuman or is superior to every other person or every other believer this does not mean that such one is more loved by god than others but that god has chosen to work with him in his purpose Because God works according to the purpose of his will. Hallelujah. Now, there are also people that God also entrusts with certain assignments. In other words, God can also entrust certain people with certain responsibilities because of their long-standing faithfulness, their long-standing commitment, their long-standing with him, you know, their life of no compromise. They are long standing for him. Look at the son of um, Aaron. That, 
that px that egyptian and that jew that were committing immorality and god said look i have established my covenant with him because of what he did look at the covenant god cut with abraham god said because you did this in blessing i will bless you so god can entrust there are people god had exclusively preserved and there are some people that make themselves it apostle said if a man purges himself of this it shall be a vessel unto honor so sometimes when god is in need of vessels one sometimes he prepares those vessels and sometimes this vessel prepare themselves and they are doing that unconsciously and fat that they are preparing themselves is even an indication that there is a call over their life so when you are seeking purpose for your life you have got to understand that purpose emanate first from god's large project from god's eternal purpose what is said to do from the very beginning so your purpose is a derivative of what god intends to do it is in this light we find light and there's sometimes that our purpose in life emanate from our sense of drive or obligation or sometimes a sense of responsibility or certain burdens or sometimes a need which God will impress upon us or upon a race of people at a particular time. There are times God will give you a particular, a particular burden for a particular season. And when you check Romans chapter 9 from verse 1 to, to 6, you see, you see that Apostle Paul was talking about how that God actually enlisted or actually called the race of, of the Jews because of their father. And he committed certain things to them, but they were ignorant. Paul said, I have great sorrow and, continu and continual grief in my heart, for I could which that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, for my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenant, the, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises of whom are of the Father, and to whom and from whom, and according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed one. However, these people keep resisting God. They keep resisting him. They keep resisting him. Romans chapter 10. Verse 19. But I say, did Israel not know first? Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. And I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Now, I read all of the scriptures to just post what I read in, in Romans chapter 9 from verse 1 to 4. All that to them was given the service, the oracle of God, the covenant, the law. But yet these people despise it. So God is the God of the whole world, both of the Jews and of the Gentiles. And both the Jews and of the Gentiles, of course, are included in his plans. In other words, 
purpose or predestination is concerned with what God is doing and what he will do at a particular time or what he has intended or intends to do. What he intends to do? Nothing can change it. Nothing can change it. So the key word here is alignment. Alignment. And I've shown you this in Romans chapter 9. From verse 10 to, to 19. So a man's predestination is affected or is influenced or is determined by two factors. One, God's purpose which makes him call that man. And when I say God's purpose, I mean God's program. God's move, God's agenda, God's plan, God's what is on God's calendar. And number two, the readiness, the preparedness, the works and the work and the life, I mean the inner life of one who is to be called. A man can be called and is not able to deliver his assignment because of certain reasons. One, because of his life, affection, his life values. Two, because of his heart condition, his devotion, his commitment, his all-hearted devotion to the Father. Number three, because of his work with the Father, the inconsistency of his work. And number four, because of his works, I know thy works. So when God is recruiting men, basically he looks at four things. One, the life of those people before him. Before him. He told Abraham, walk before me and be that perfect. Number two, the acts of the people. Their intention. How loving they are. How down to edge they are. How open they are. How compassionate they are. Number three, their work. Their consistency with the Father. Hallelujah. So you cannot afford to fail. You cannot afford to fail God. You cannot afford to fail yourself. And I'm telling you this most sincerely. You can't afford it. Because it's going to be costly. It is going to be costly. There is an expectation over you. You must not disappoint. And I'm telling you this most sincerely. You must not disappoint it. You must not disappoint it. So you have got to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. And also I want to understand that in the light of divine purpose or in the light of what God is doing, it meant that most events in your life, most experiences, most of the encounters we have, all they will play out not as you intend them sometimes or as you will them to be, but as God has willed them to be. 
and as a matter of fact no amount of prayers can annul or cancel them a good example is the case of saul god had told samuel a day before he's going to send saul down to him and they will anoint him to be king and supernaturally the asses not even one asses of his father were missing but behind the missing acts is a divine appointment. It was projected into the plan of his life. There are things that God will do in your life without your awareness. Although it is very important, we acknowledge, we act, we recognize, and we are aware of God's involvement in our life. But much more, there are times God will do something that overrides your inte- your intellect, what you what you preconceived. And there are things you are going around. I mean, you are going through right now that you will not understand. But after a few years, when the Lord had moved you, he began to make you realize what happened at that particular time you could not conceive. So you are limited in thought, you are limited in knowledge, you are limited in might, you are limited in all things. But the infinite one, if it's the one leading you, you can be sure you are secured. So God told Rebecca, He said, The younger. Is the one I've chosen, and consequently, the older shall serve the younger. And when God made that statement, that was not to place Esau at the mercy of Jacob. But where the purpose of God is concerned, and when it has to do with the bloodline of Abraham, whom he had made the promise of establishing his intention with. What God was saying is that I have chosen this man. And because I've chosen them to be leaders, then all of the human race, Esau inclusive, will serve this man. I don't know whether you understand that. So Jacob and Esau were typical of the race of mankind. The Jews who are elected and Esau stand for the whole of the Gentiles, the humanity. The rest of the humanity. You know, in God's purpose, he's not just trying to, to place somebody under another person to be subjugated or to be humiliated. No, that's not the idea. We are all leaders in our respective purpose. Although we have mentors and leaders we submit to. And you know, God like, likes gov, gov, governance or government or order. He's an orderly father. He likes structure. So it will not break structure, it will not break pattern. But within the structure, it's laid into you are a leader. But over you, there are leaders. And in that move, there is a leader of that move. Who is accom- uh, you know, you know, you know, accountable to God. And look at that scripture I showed you in Joshua 3. No one receives anything at any time except is given from above. No one. So when you see somebody doing something great for God, it's not because he wished to do it. But because God allowed him, God chose he will do it. God chose he will do it. And you must understand that. God chose he will do it. So do not envy them. And Mark, the Bible said that no one receives anything from God. James said every good and perfect gift comes from God. In other words, there are people who are doing certain things that are not from God. And if care is not taken, they will bamboozle you. They will sweep you off your feet. They will kill you with jealousy. You know, I, I wish I, I would get that scripture. When David was saying that, do not fret because of the evil. He said they named the streets on their own. 
say they live in wealth, but they said that look, all what you are seeing, they are just, they are just, you know, they, 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 they will not endure. Lord Jesus, can I have a recollection of the scriptures? Just to show certain things. That those whom you are envying today, it's just a matter of time, they will not be there forever. It's just like a man that is feeding his hen or his cock towards a festival that is coming. That man is going to slaughter them. But we want them to have the weight. So there's nothing that can be stupid of you as, you know, trying to envy those who have got what they get, but not from God. In other words, a man can be running on a lane that was not destined for him and is running with all his might. He can be so, so peaceful that nobody can catch up with him. Meanwhile, he's on the wrong lane. He's going to crash into something that will put an end to him. And at the end of all the race, it would have been a shock to him that he's leaning on the wrong wall. He's climbing the wrong tree. So before you start running, find out your track. In other words, the best you can do is to seek to uncode what God wants to do with your life. Then you have to align. And as a matter of fact, there is no one who exists or who will work the planet Earth that God has not a plan for. So you have got to find out what God wants to do with your life. So you have got to stop looking around. You have got to stop being envious or being jealous of other people because what they seems to have now or what seems to be happening in your life is, 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 is what is happening in their life. No. No. You have got to understand that there is a plan. There is an intention. And you must not miss out. A man can explore or can be on the lane that is a wrong that is a wrong niche. That's a wrong niche. A man can labor on a wrong field all his life. A man can be on the highest velocity, but yet facing the wrong direction. A man can be plowing the food the field is not meant to plow. So be careful. And you have got to understand that you are God's agent. He chose to work with you. Man is God's vessel. Man is God's agent of change. Man is God's tool. He is a tool in the hand of God. So you do not need to struggle with him. You have got to submit. And when you are seeking God, you have got to seek God in view of what he is doing in your life. And that's what the whole book of Romans chapter 9 is talking about. Seek God in view of what he's doing. Don't be anxious. Don't be disturbed. There is a plan for your life. And ensure that everything that will stand between you and the Father, that will not make you to be able to actually Fulfill his plan for your life is eliminated. Don't be trapped. Hallelujah. 
So how can you increase the grace of God? Number one, desire it. Desire it. Desire it. Number two, be definite with what you want to get done. Receive your burdens, receive your impressions, receive your, your directions from God. Definiteness of purpose. Number three, you have got to ask, you have got to seek, you have got to knock. Prayer is very fundamental. The word of God is very fundamental. But Jesus Christ explains the process of having intangible form that which you desire in the place of prayer. After asking the Father, begin to seek, begin to inquire, begin to study about. I begin to meet, begin to knock, begin to connect with people who, 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 who are in possession of what you, what you need. And number four, you have got to increase your knowledge. You have got to increase your knowledge. You have got to know. Find out God's eternal plan. And number five, you have got to learn to cooperate with what God is doing. Cooperation with God. Alignment. And number six, you must be ready to serve. Service. The grace does not work without some labor. So six major things that will shift your life and that will make it very impossible for you not to be inclusive in God's plan. So what I've taught so far is to increase your chances of being used of the Father. I haven't understand the way he deals. You have got to increase your chances of being used by him. And six major things. One is desire. Two is prayers. Three, definiteness of purpose. Four, intensified knowledge. Five, cooperation. And six is service. So don't be left out of what God is doing. Don't be left out. Be wise. All right. So we are going to stop here and you are going to say, Father, thank you because I am not a vagabond. I am here because there is a plan. There is an eternal purpose. And I recognize the fact that it is your desire that what was on your mind will be actualized. So you are going to say, Father, give me the grace to be disciplined to walk with you as you intended. Can you pray in the name of Jesus?